the Sports Career Podcast, episode 251. Why is governance important in the sports industry? Hello Sports Achiever and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports Career Podcast. I'm your host Ed Bowers. Before I talk about this week's podcast special guest, if you're figuring out how to start a career in the sports industry, check out my mini course which is at education2sport forward slash mc and you'll learn in seven short videos how to discover and start your career in the sports industry with confidence. More details go there. And as always, my goal each week is to provide you a podcast special guest who can really elevate your learning, in particular in sports law and also in the football industry. So I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your sports career development, interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's episode, this week's special guest is Beverly Apicoba on Gianya. Beverly has a fascinating sports career journey. She is a sports and entertainment lawyer, founder of Lagos Tigers FC. Also, she's a podcaster of Develop Your A-Game. And for that reason, it's such a joy to have her on the show. That's why in today's episode, Beverly will share her sports career journey and explain why governance is so important in the sports industry. Beverly, it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast show. Please share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? So glad to be on the show, Ed. I've been wondering when I was when was I going to get on. <laughs> so I'm really happy to be on the show. So my sports journey. Okay, well, I could. I'll just introduce myself a little bit for the benefit of the listeners. My name's Beverly. I'm based in Lagos, and I'm a sports and entertainment lawyer. But apart from that, I've also I've also founded the youth football club for, well, for the children, um, called Lagos Tigers. And I'm also involved in sports policy and most recently sports governance. That's proving to be my kind of thing right now. And I'm really passionate about it. So how did I get started in sports to begin with? Um, I would say 2012 is when I really um, got my feet wet. Um, beyond just you know the occasional participating in recreational sports I um, I wanted to go a step further it always begins with taking the first step doesn't it so 2012 I wasn't I was a new mom newish mom and um, I always believed that sport was really was really something good for kids something advantageous lots of benefits so I decided to start my kickabout session for my son and his friends and he was three at the time and um very informal you know just find a park somewhere <laughs> and uh, and the thing is the, the funny thing about it is we don't really have parks in lagos that's the irony of this whole thing i was looking for a park in a place that doesn't really have parks but i did find an open space nonetheless and um you know we started 
kicking about there, meeting on Saturday mornings. It was a bit of a journey and a trek, not going to lie. It did take a lot of effort. Some people pulled out because they felt the, 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 the journey was a bit too long and they just couldn't be, couldn't be, you know, couldn't be bothered really because it's a bit stressful over here. You have to drive everywhere here. There's no the public transport system isn't too great. So anyway, um, that's how I got started. And something informal kind of is still on eight years later, Lagos Tigers. It started off as, as Little Tigers, actually, but now it's called the Lagos Tigers because I'm thinking, you know, expanding beyond the little ones, potentially going into senior teams. But for the most part, really just trying to create my own space and you know, find, you know, find our way in this youth football scene. Youth football is so popular here in Nigeria. We have so much talent here. And I just wanted to be able to contribute my, contribute my, 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 my time, um, be a part of the, the success story of the new wave of um, reputable sports institutions in the country, give more people more options, really. So that was how I got started in sport proper. And what my journey has been like, it's been quite interesting because it's been like an unfolding, um, I don't know, like a flower, like a keep pee or like an onion even. I keep peeling more layers. So from youth football, I found myself going into sports law. <laughs> and then from sports law, I found myself going into policy. And the policy part has been really interesting, really interesting. Um, I, I got into policy, I would say, August 2017. I was invited by um, a mentor in the industry, another woman as well. She's been in sports 30-something years, Madame Nkechi Obi, a Nigerian that many of us look up to, female, we all look up to. So she invited myself and a couple of us um, other people into this um, thematic sports group. And um, what's special about that thematic sports group is they, um, they are doing a lot of um, work with the government. So they're kind of facilitating that private public sector partnership, which is so difficult to do on your own as an individual. So, you know, it brings the best of both worlds together. It's not been easy by any means. There's a lot of politics to navigate. But the beauty of it is about 800 of us in private sector, well, private and public sector came together and we revised and updated the um, national sports policy. So it was really nice. I had an opportunity to have my say, to work with other experienced people, to really think about what areas of sport do we, do we need to, to work on so the industry can grow. For everything from, we've considered everything from investments to infrastructure projects, to um, dispute resolution, to um, youth development, peace building, so many fascinating areas that you would never ordinarily connect with um, sport. So that was a really, really nice and um, interesting project that I worked on. And yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to do more. Um, you know, I, I, I enjoy policy work very much. Um, been involved in even in CAF I've, I've done work with CAF as well um, compliance did a compliance project um, with them um, helping to develop the policies and procedures for for CAF so yeah 
just I just enjoy building. I enjoy policy making because policy is like the jigsaw that helps create that foundation with which you now build on top. So when you've got the good policies, then you've got the good people to implement those policies. I mean, you know, it's um, it's like a match made in sports heaven. <laughs> so I really enjoy all sides of sport now. I'm so happy that I I get to participate in so many different sides. I know it's a very unique opportunity I have. Very few people have the opportunity I have, and I don't take it for granted at all. Wow, what a first response. It sounds like each day is a different day with us, your work. Literally. Exactly. <laughs> Just, Beverly, I've got to go back in time. Literally, there's so much I want to sort of decode, but I want to touch on your first point, taking the first step. Looking back, how glad are you when you took that first step with regards to your youth football team? Hmm. You know, <laughs> if you told me in 2012 that in 2021, I would still be here, not just with my club, but with my youth football team, but potentially building a senior team, I would have laughed at you. I would have said, you must be joking. This is just for fun. You know, in, in a year's time, I'll move on to something else. I am really, I feel so honored um, and lucky that of all things, I, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't really that sporty myself as a child. I was more musical. I was more like arty. So a lot of people till today think, wow, like you're the last person we expected to go into sports. But we love that you're so passionate about it. And we love that it wasn't uh, a fad. Like, I think people were looking, watching to see how long I was going to carry this on for. But to everybody's surprise, and so I guess to mine as well, I'm still here. But I really love how uh, integrated sports is. I tell you, it's one of those few industries where you can discuss everything from finance to policy to dispute resolution to um, to curriculums, education, training. It has everything. It is, for me, it's such an inclusive, integrated sector. I mean, I wish more people would see the beauty of sport um, from all sides the way I do. I think we would have a lot more people come in. I mean, look at the broadcasting side like you, Ed. You know, you, you're doing great things um, to highlight all these amazing personalities and not to mention yourself as the as the common factor you know so sport is just it really brings people together in more ways than one and i'm super grateful that i found my 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 place i found my purpose yeah i'm i'm really grateful very great i don't take it for granted every day i think oh you know there's always something new like you said no day is the same you know whether it's managing my youth football club, you know, I have to, you know, navigating COVID was crazy. <laughs> and, you know, all of us, everyone was new to, to navigating sports through a pandemic. I had to learn, I had to bring new skills to the fore. I had to, you know, tap into my network to support me. You know, it's, sport is, um, it's just a unique area. And um, yeah, I'm grateful that I, I get the opportunity to, to live it and work in it every day. <laughs> well, Beverly, thank you for the calm words, but this is what I love doing. And I really want to tap into this, your youth football club. Like, 
from the grassroots. The reason I say this from a journey, sometimes was it like a when I say an experiment, was it when you set it up, it was a learning process at the same time? Because to me, it was actually the same thing with my podcast show. I had an idea just to create a sports career resource and interview people. I didn't know how I was going to build the website. I didn't know how I was going to edit my shows. I didn't know how I was going to interview people. I sort of discovered these skills along the way. And, you know, we're nearly 10 years with regards to your youth football club. You know what I'm saying? So was this sort of the sort of the benchmark of setting up, but you would look, it was like a journey. And at the time you were learning the business principles or you were at, by studying um, law, for example, we'll tap into this a bit short, in, shortly with some questions, but like by learning law, did it help you build a foundation club the right way uh, from the grassroots up? I'm just really intrigued in this point because I think a lot of students, a lot of people, when they want to work in sport, they want that high job straight away. But actually, we build our skills through prod, like passion projects like your youth football club or my passion project was this podcast show. And that's what really drived our experience and skill sets along the way. So that sort of makes sense. Like I'm really intrigued. It makes perfect sense. Um, I would say you're right. My compliance background really, really was my, my saving grace when it came to trying to set up my club. For me, um, I, I feel like at the fore, I'm a compliance officer before anything else. Um, that was what I did for the first 10 years of my career. Um, you know, it's all about um, building um, structures, frameworks, rules and regulations internally, and also um, helping your, either the company you work for or your clients understand the regulatory environment that they operate in. So yes, for me, the first thing I did when I decided, okay, I need to, I need to put in the structure from day one. I'm not going to treat it like a pet hobby. I'm going to actually take this seriously from the beginning. And what did I do? I went to the rule books. I bought books on how to run the youth football club. I subscribed to a really cool resource. And it's really funny because I met him on Clubhouse the other day. Um, I called Candy. Um, you know, they have the human resources and also loads and loads of resources as well because is over here training is really an issue um quality of training is a big problem to myself i need to do something different to what everybody else is doing i have no issues with what other people are doing but i need to be able to push and challenge myself and my coaches to go over and beyond so yes the first thing i did i I went to the books. I read as much as I could. I read up on um, um, in, um, Sport England's um, youth football guidelines, um, the FA youth guidelines, um, the US um, youth football guidelines. I read up widely. I read about different jurisdictions, how they do it there, Hong Kong, different places, because I needed to know what benchmark to set. Um, and further to that, I also went to my local football association for my where I live. I introduced myself. You know, you know, it's really funny what I did because some people would say it's usually the start first. I mean, over here, you know, it's not, it's 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 more lax compared to other places. It's like 
you know, in the UK, even try that. You need to have all your, your CRDs, your criminal checks in place. You need this, you need that. But here, let's just be honest. People start clubs here every day without getting anything, you know? But I wanted to do things differently. So I went and introduced myself to the Football Association. I told them what my plans were. They were supportive. Um, you know, I, I, I made sure I hired coaches that had the skill sets. Coaches that didn't, I would provide support for training and things like that. You know, that sort of continuous professional development. So I really wanted to try and do things properly. And doing things properly is obviously not cheap. But in the long term, it will benefit you more and it will help build a, a proper reputation for your club. So yes, my compliance, my legal and compliance background was my anchor. It gave me a sense of what standards to have in place, no shortcuts, things have to be done right, registering the club properly with the right places, you know. Um, yeah, so I, I'm really grateful for that. Um, that's the great thing about anything you want to do in life. No knowledge is wasted. You'll be, you'll be surprised how, you know, knowledge in one area can, can support you in another, in another area that you might think is unrelated. But yes, my being a, a compliance person really helped me a lot. It helped me so much. And I ended up giving advice to other people. So people would call me and say, oh, what does it take to start off a club? And I would, and I would give advice. Even now, you know, I tend to do it informally. Clubhouse, I've been in loads of grassroots rooms. Funny enough, UK grassroots rooms. And I'm talking about my experience. I'm helping clubs figure out how they can raise money. Um, because as you know, a sport is very capital intensive. And um, a lot of the time, money is always a sticky point. So, you know, I, I provide advice on what clubs can do to raise funds. And as you know, for those of us in youth football, you have to, be cons you have to consider factors like, um, is the company or individual sponsoring you, you know, they're ethical, are, are they ethical? So you can't receive funds from say tobacco companies, you can't receive funds from betting. You know, betting is obviously quite big right now in sport. Here in Nigeria, they sponsor quite a lot of programs, but naturally you wouldn't expect to find a betting company sponsoring a youth club for obvious reasons, you know? So there's a lot of factors you need to pay attention to even when fundraising, things that I suppose clubs that don't have experienced staff may not think of. Um, yeah, and then, you know, the usual due diligence checks on staff, you know, background checks. So, yeah, there's a lot that goes into running a club. There's quite a bit. I mean, I feel like that's an entirely separate podcast in itself. But, yeah, um, learn so much about, you know, sports, running a club, what it entails. So much. It's so it's so exciting, honestly. It really is. I mean, if it's exciting at my level, can you imagine what it must be like? Like a Premier League club or a, a national club. It'll be really interesting. Really, really interesting. Absolutely. And I hope the listeners are enjoying this conversation, particularly if you want to circle in the football industry. Beverly, I want to tap into your legal career now. Out of interest, what skill sets have supported you working in sport and entertainment law? Okay, so I would say, first of all, my co commercial knowledge is 
key commercial knowledge if you don't really if you're not too clued up on the ins and outs of the industry like you know um sport industry it's good to know you know obviously when the seasons run it's good to understand um the way um the way business is handled, the way things are run, um, entertainment industry, they have a lot of, um, you know, nuances when it comes to production, you need to understand, um, how people do things. Some of those things are not the right things. And so you have to be able to spot that and educate and educate your clients or, you know, whoever it is you're dealing with and say, okay, um, I need to protect my client. My client comes first. This is what I would prefer to do. So yeah, you need to be really commercially savvy, um, understand, you know, um, things like, um, you know, what are the, what are the, what are the major challenges that the industry faces? So you can see how you can plug those gaps and offer your clients better. Um, Due diligence is a major issue um, in sport. We don't do enough due diligence. So my analytical skills definitely um, come to bear with that. My negotiation skills also come to bear. Why? Because a lot of the time, I guess, in say in, um, in entertainment, again, capital raising is a big issue. You know, these are capital intensive projects. So you often have to be at the table helping to negotiate good terms for your clients. The same goes in sport. In sport, you find um, some of your clients entering deals that may not necessarily be good for them. And you have to also be able to navigate and help them, you know, negotiate their way out. Dispute resolution skills also, because a lot of the time deals go sour. It's not unusual for deals to go sour. I found that a lot in the entertainment industry. So you have to be able to, to, it's not just about, I would say, being that typical lawyer, you know, all suited, looking aggressive. And no, I think that is changing. I think being compassionate um, having good listening skills, um, learning how to um, mediate between parties is really key. I found that in my in my situation, not trying to play up to the Hollywood image of the typical lawyer that doesn't help anyone. What I find is um, having a very good listening ear, being able to interpret issues, explaining it well to your client, being able to um, you know, give your client a reality check about things that could go wrong for them. And also being able to communicate well, because if you're dealing, you know, sports and entertainment personalities, they are just passionate about the work they do. A lot of the times they don't necessarily spot the risks involved in the work they do. So you have to be able to identify the risks that lay ahead. So yeah, wow, this project, it's amazing. Yeah, this partnership you want to get into, fantastic. But are you covered? Um, is your back covered here? Have you checked out all the risks? The intellectual property, who will own the intellectual property? So, you know, my role, um, in, I, I end up having to deploy a whole range of different skill sets. I have to be you know, sharp on the ball, so to speak, you know, um, like I said before, I need to be able to, to listen well, so I can pick things up. I need to also just, you know, have a, a good way. You have to, you have to be able to build good rapport 
because you don't want to be that sports and entertainment lawyer that no one likes. Oh no, here Beverly comes again. She's so aggressive. Oh, can't get a word in. Or oh, that Beverly. No, you know she's too quiet. She doesn't really say much. You need to be able to maintain a, a fine balance between being assertive but not being too in people down. You know, in people's faces. It's really about. I call it like. Um, is that human psychology i i feel like human psychology comes into so much um the more i the more i look the more i realize it's really about how you establish rapport with people if you if you can relate well with people um get them to understand it's almost like influencing right you have to be able to influence people sometimes subtly um so they they can take your advice I feel like these are the different skill sets that are non-technical because obviously I need my technical skill sets, my drafting, I have to be able to draft terms, but I think my non, my soft skills have really helped me a lot because you want to be able to pass on a message above all. So people call you back. <laughs> so you, you get retained by your clients. So yeah, that, I think that is what I would say would be my strengths as a sports and entertainment lawyer. I really, really do hope you're taking notes. Out of interest, with regards to the communication side, how they've adjusted with regards to the virtual world we're living. I'm just intrigued because sports lawyers or anybody, including myself, have you adjusted your communication methods so you're more effective of when you work with clients out of interest? Hmm. Okay, so during the pandemic, okay, pre the pandemic, yes, there was a lot of emphasis on physical meetings, physical meetings, sometimes not always for the best because, you know, you get caught up in traffic, you're trying to go to so many different places, you're pulled in so many directions. So I would say that hmm, the pandemic has actually helped ease off um, that time time management issue. Um, I'm able to communicate better because I'm not, I'm not thinking, oh, I only have a short amount of time with this client. I need to, I, I feel like I can, I, I can take my time better because I can just set up a Zoom call. Um, we take our time. I can, I can communicate now with clients in different parts of the world. I was talking to somebody in Canada earlier today. You know, it's almost like we didn't realize that <laughs> you know, the online um, system was there to help us. We were so reliant on doing everything in person. And sometimes that just creates a strain, the stress. So I, I feel like now it's a bit better, I would say. Email has always been there, but being able to have these Zoom meetings, online meetings, it's helpful. Um, people, are, I, I guess they're, I wouldn't say they're more relaxed, but they are, they, they are better with their time management because now they realize they don't have to rush all over the place, you know, just to, to have a meeting. And yeah, so I think it's, it's, it's helped all of us be more aware that we have productivity tools that can help us work better. And when you work better, you can communicate better. You're not, it's less, um, it's less strained. So yeah, communication has shifted online for the most part, but I think it's, 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 it's better. Um, you know, written communication is what I've been trained to do, so that hasn't changed. But it's nice that more people are accepting of online. And, and I feel like, you know, 
I, I, I don't find it difficult to build rapport online. I still, I feel like if your communication is clear, you're speaking clearly, um, you have the right, you're creating the right rapport, your clients will still respond back favorably. So, so I don't think it has negatively impacted as much as a lot of us feared it would. I think what you're saying is so important because for me, I think I've been doing this for years, doing like Skype calls, but now Zoom is the platform. But the reason why I say this is I think communication, if people can learn, and I'm saying this to students, if they can have the courage to do audio messages on LinkedIn, or the courage to do an audio message on Instagram when reaching out to people. It's a real game changer of starting that conversation. That's why I asked that question, because I think I've seen on my show that working in sports law is so popular, which then leads to being an agent in sport or the entertainment business as well. That's why I asked that question. But I want to get to today's podcast. Topic. I've been really excited to have this discussion with you. We did a clubhouse session. Well, you invited me. and It was all about governance in sort of the Africa sports industry. And I sort of said, not be rude, like with the people I've interviewed over the years, it keeps on coming up. And I'm like, let's do a podcast where we can really, really dissect where we can improve governance, not just in Africa, but in the sports industry. So Beverly, if it's cool with you, could you share some methods or from your experience, one, why governance is so important in the sports industry, but where can we enhance it to create positive change? I mean, governance is so important in any aspect of life, in any facet of life, not to talk about sport. Governance really relates to the way we manage and govern and leadership. Um, governance in the sports industry, sports industry is obviously very wide. So let's focus on the, the sports federations. Let's focus on those organizations that are responsible for organizing sports. So whether it's badminton, hockey, cricket, rugby, basketball, each of these sports would have been assigned or allocated, you know, an organization, uh, a federation or association that is responsible for organizing the way we, 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 we play the sport in the first place. So it's so important to have good governance in sport. Good governance merely alludes to the way that sport is managed. The people who are managing it are, are, are what's the word, are qualified and competent, not just passionate. Because you see, I find in sport, passion is a word that is always flying around. Passion, passion, passion. I'm passionate. And people think, oh, all you have to have is passion. But no, you need more than passion to be good at anything. You need the know-how. You need to be competent. You need to have the skill sets. So governance really speaks to the way we manage and organize and lead, um, you know, sports. So if you look at, say, I don't know, a fictitious basketball association of country ABC, how well, it's, how well country ABC manages its, its basketball activities, the way um, even the, 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 the hierarchy of the, um, the people that run it, that will really have an impact on the way the sport is, is managed, the way it's perceived. When you look at 
who is actually on the leadership board? Is that board diverse? Is that board inclusive? One of the big topics at the moment is diversity and inclusivity. And when we have diverse leadership, it means that we are then able to hear from different sides of, of society to ensure that not just one side of society is represented. So when we talk about governance, it's just, you know, the overall picture is, is, is it being governed properly? Is sports being managed and led in a manner that makes that sport flourish and thrive. You know, we've, we've heard of so many issues along the way with some of our very well-known sports bodies global, globally, um, and I suppose at national level as well. And no country has been spared from challenges of sports governance, which is why there's been a major shift in the last, I would say, three to five years you know, you look at bodies like FIFA, even CAF, who have deliberately made efforts to fix challenges that exist. No sports organization can boast that it is 100% uh, perfect. None at all. There are challenges that are present and we need to keep on, you know, uh, finding ways to improve the way we manage things, the way we, the way we govern. So governance needs to really look after so many things. It needs to make sure that competent people are appointed to lead. These competent people will obviously form their committees. These committees will also be made up of members that are also, you know, deserving of being there. It's not just about, oh, let's have a token person from that part of the country or from that part of the country. Governance encompasses so many things. You have to, it takes a lot to, 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 to practice good governance. There's principles of good governance. You know, we've talked about competence, inclusivity, diversity, um, you know, compliance is also another facet of good governance because you can have great people, but if they're not complying, then you're not going to get the benefits of good governance. So there's so many facets to, to, to governance. And um, why governance is important goes without saying, because if you want to continue to um, improve, develop sport, if you want to increase participation, not just at amateur level, you also want to see um, participation increase at professional level. Perhaps you have uh, goals. Your country maybe wants to, at the next Olympics or the next World Cup, you want to, to um, increase the number of um, participants, you want to see more women, you want to see, you know, you have to have a structure. And it's going to take good leadership to effect that. So governance is really, really important. You need to have uh, a multifaceted approach. You need to have, um, you know, the right people, but also a good representation of society. Um, I mean, it shouldn't become a tick box approach where, oh, okay, let's have one black person, let's have one woman, let's have one white person, one Asian person. No, it's, it shouldn't become prescriptive in that sense. But the goal, however, should be that, you know, we promote competence, we're promoting the values. You know, sport is about values, isn't it? It's about fair play. It's about accountability. It's about team spirit. It's about accessibility, equal opportunities. So you really want governance, good governance to reflect that. 
you know so when you have bad governance in sport it's very sad because it's it it's um it completely goes against the the principles of sports you know the values the pillars i would say of sports in itself so yes good governance is something that has become a bit of a buzzword recently um more and more organizations national bodies federations are paying closer attention and i think we'll be better for it because one it um it increases the awareness it in it um it's it will increase um human capacity development and investments more and more um organizations will begin to invest more in their people because your people need to understand what governance is about and when they understand it they can then go and implement it and translate it into um better policies which will benefit more people and things like that so so yeah governance is i'm happy that governance is 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 becoming more topical now um and let's hope that it will trickle down and we'll actually see the effects of good governance hopefully we won't have to wait too long for that <laughs> wow i'm enjoying this conversation the one thing i want to touch on now because this really intrigued me when you shared this term kicks with regards to your values of why with regards to your, your youth football club uh, would you would you mind just sharing what kicks means with regards to running your football club just to provide inspiration of what you've just said about governance policy because by having a value system and um, by the way i'm a big believer we should have personal values while i work in sport but with regards to an organization having values it really makes things you know concrete of your end goal in where you work and you know what you're trying to create for you it's your football club for me it's, it's my podcast show but could you just share what kicks is and honestly guys get your pen and paper and take notes <laughs> lovely thanks ed you're too kind okay so kicks kicks is an acronym and i i'll just give you a bit of a background because i know this is for the purpose of education the acronym kicks i created it because i needed something very easy to remember something so easy that you don't even have to think too much about it when you're building an institution whether it's for fun long term short term you always have to remember if you if you want this thing to last for the short term or long term at least let the people remember what it's about if people don't remember why they're doing something they're more likely to fall to the side to fall aside or to fall apart so kick stands for kinship obviously i had to make the words fit <laughs> kinship is another word for team it's an old english word for brotherhood kinship kinship k i is for integrity because in everything we do if we lack integrity then it's all for nothing c stands for confidence i mean when you're working with children um one of the most important things the one of the best things you can do for any child is to build their confidence confidence is really the key that unlocks the 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 inner talents you know um without confidence it's quite hard to to really get up there and show you know how good you are so confidence for me is very important then the second k stands for technical knowledge so i kind of cheated a little bit there so it's k for knowledge but it's technical knowledge and that knowledge is is the is the technical football training that we impart 
to the children. Knowledge is, you know what I said to you, Ed, earlier? You need knowledge in addition to passion because without the know-how, it's a bit shallow, isn't it? You know, and we're promoting integrity. When you know what you're about and you have the confidence to carry it off, then that's integrity, isn't it? When you don't know something, but you act like, oh yeah, I, I have, I'm confident. And that's kind of empty boasting, isn't it? So K-I-C-K. And then the final S is team spirit. Because in everything, we need, we need to collaborate. We need to be able to work with other people. No man is an island. And um, it's a soft skill that has seen me has seen me very well, I must say, in my life. And um, I really promote um, collaboration. I promote networking. And you're never too young to network and you're never too young to collaborate. So KICKS, is, is, that's what it stands for. Um, I'll just run it through again. The kinship, which is the brotherhood, integrity, confidence, knowledge, that know-how, if you want to call it that, and team spirit. And that is my value system. This value system is, is from that value system, I'm able to create my, my policies. I'm able to even create job descriptions because if people know that, you know, they have to, they, they, they stand for something, then they're more likely to abide. You know, like I said, when you know what you stand for, um, it's much harder to pull you down. It's much harder to, to sway you. And it's also important that the children, the players, the, 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 yes, the, the members of the club, they know what they stand for, you know, so that even after they grow up and they move on, even if they don't ever play football again, they will remember the values that we imparted to them when they were members of the Lagos Tigers. So yeah, um, it's very important to have a value system. Very, very important because from that, everything kind of, it's like a, it's like a fountain. It, it, it's everything drinks from that fountain. Everything about you, your reputation, everything. It's the cornerstone of, um, of how you, you live your life. It's the cornerstone of how you run your business. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to have to butt in because I think it's important for adults. Um, as much as I love that children get it at an early age and it's embedded, but actually it's important to all of us. Um, for example, in a past episode, I, I interviewed an author called Andrew and he has his 10 values. And he says, when you have them, in, like you said, set in stone, every decision's easier. Every person you meet or collaborate is easier because most of the time we work with people with the similar values. Uh, we can't see it like it's not something we can see face value but we see it with our where we communicate it's like really quickly i have to share a story how beverly and i got connected i always like to share how i sort of networked shall we say i put it in that because people are frightened of that word but i love to share how i got connected with beverly now i know beverly nearly a year i think it is a year this month because amy one day the um, founder of africa sport network wanted to do a webinar webinar and I said, have you tried using this platform? I would host it for you instead of you paying for one. Well, it didn't work, this, this platform. So we ended up getting people on this platform to Zoom. It was a bit manic, but we got the job done. And it just shows how adaptable we were, which then led to doing another thing with Beverly when we did like the summit, which was great fun, which is nearly a, a year next month. And what I've learned from Beverly, and it's from, already from this podcast that I've had chills because I love learning from her. It's a clarity of understanding and in regards to what she specializes in. So 
that is how I got connected with Beverly and which led to other people in the industry with similar values. Like, I mean, when we had Dev Kumar Palmer involved in that conversation, and I think you two have spoken, literally guys, this is how networking work. It's like connecting the dots or creating the dots where you know other people can benefit from our expertise, or we've got to get somebody who's slightly more knowledgeable than us involved in the conversation. Uh, I would love you to share Beverly really quickly about why networking is important and how do you define networking with regards to your career? Ah, networking, another favorite pastime of mine. <laughs> I even wrote an article about it. <laughs> um, networking is, is, I know it can be scary. When you hear the word networking, you think, oh gosh, it just sounds so, some people actually think it's fake. Some people think it's a cliche. Some, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions about networking, but really at its most basic level, networking is just, you know, meeting people, having a laugh, sharing ideas, um, people who you may not necessarily even think you have something in common with, but by virtue of having an open mindset, you, you're open to, to meeting people and you, know, you meet them and you strike up a conversation and before you know what's going on, you find out you've got friends in common or you like the same movie or you like the same sports, different things. Um, and networking can happen obviously in an informal setting at parties. I mean, people seem to forget maybe because we've had COVID, but we used to network all the time. You go for a party, mate's birthday or something, you don't, you're not going to know everybody there. So anyone you meet for the first time, and you're striking up conversation, that's networking. But I suppose networking can be more intentional when you, know, you meet someone for the first time. It could be anywhere, it could be, it could be on a webinar. I've met people on webinars, I kid you not. I've met people on webinars, I've met people on training programs, online training programs. I've met people in so many different places. And what makes it effective is, when I show an interest in the person. So you, I know some of us network with a motive. Oh, I'm going to go to this conference and my aim is to get five new clients. Sometimes when we see people only as a means to an end, we kind of lose the magic. And, you know, the networking opportunity seems to be more difficult. Why? Because you're not really going to just meet people and see how it goes. You're, you're just, go I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong with having a goal. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Life is about balance, but it's really about um, being a lover of people. You just like to meet new people. You like to hear new conversations. Um, you're stimulated by conversation. And, and that actually in itself, the, how would I say it? That's the match that ignites what happens next? So I think, yes, you can network intentionally, but I would say just be intentional about wanting to know about other people. Trust me, there's nothing like, like someone striking up a conversation with you and they are genuinely interested that, um, in, in, and, and they are genuinely happy to see that you're interested in what talking about and this also happens the opposite direction if i if i talk about you know what i do and and the person i'm speaking with is like wow that's so interesting tell me more it, it makes you endear to the person so i think networking 
is not as um, scary as it tends to sound. Networking is just connecting with people. And we do that all the time. We do it on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Networking is even, you like somebody's picture and you make, post a comment, oh, I think that was a nice dress. Oh, I like, I like what you're doing. Or LinkedIn is another place where networking is promoted deliberately you see other people doing things and you like what they're doing and rather than being quiet you actually say hey there i like what you're doing so yeah networking is um it's just connecting making connections and yes these connections may be may be short some may be long but you know at the end of the day um you just kind of enjoy it for what it is and um yeah that's networking to me. And networking is really, really powerful um, because you just never know <laughs> where your next best friend is coming from, or you just never know where your next business partner is coming from. Um, I take every opportunity to network seriously. I'm intentional about um, the way I communicate um, with people, um, especially people I don't know. Um, I don't try to create a facade, but I am, you know, I'm mindful because people are people and we need to be mindful and respectful of everybody else. So yeah, that's, uh, that's networking for me in a nutshell. Beverly, that's awesome. I've got this big smile because you just said it so simply and, and to the point. And I really hope the listeners really learn that it's not scary. For me personally, it's been the funnest side of working in the industry as, as Beverly rightly said you just don't know where an opportunity will come with the conversations we create like really quickly when you were talking it just sparked that first time we spoke with Amy after that webinar because we're all sort of excited because we did it with the tech issues we had but it, it led to more conversations and and, we, and I say it's all about I call networking a skill and starting and building a conversation. That's how I define it because it eradicates any nerves and, and also just be yourself is really key. But look, I wanna pivot this conversation really quickly. I'd love you to talk about one, your new book, and two, what inspired you to do your own podcast show? Ah, okay, thanks again, Ed. So my book, um, my book, 40, 40 Lessons I Learned by 40. I wrote that book. It, you know, I, I, I always wanted to write, but I never was sure when exactly that would be because, you know, you get busy and you keep putting it off and putting it off. So the pandemic, I think I was one of those people who, if I wasn't baking bread or if I wasn't, you know, um, doing Zoom chats with friends, I said to myself, okay, what could I do to you know, you know, just to remember this year by and what lessons have I learned? And I decided, okay, I'm going to write my book. And um, it was really nice. Um, the lessons I've learned over the years, I turned and I'm thinking, wow, gosh, I'm getting older. <laughs> um, I, I feel blessed anyway. As, as I get older, it just life just gets better in a way, to be honest. So yeah, it's just a number. But yeah, I wanted to share like all these lessons I've learned, I, I get people asking me a lot, particularly young people, mentees. I do have some informal mentees. I don't have a program yet, but I do have people that I, I chat with regularly who just want to, 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 to chat with me. And I also learn from them. So I thought, okay, let me write a book and just put into writing loads of things that I've learned and that have helped me. So I'll give you a couple. So, um, 
um, one of them is um, the use of um, affirmations. I always used to think affirmations were a bit wishy-washy and oh, that doesn't really, but actually affirmations are really, really good. The confidence builders, it's, it's an exercise where you kind of tell yourself mentally or out loud, you know, you know, I can do good things. I can do great things. I'm trying to be a better person every day. Um, you know, I've got my, my spiritual affirmations. I've got my well-being affirmations. I've got my affirmations for success. I've got so many. So I decided that I would um, put that into writing because I can see that it's becoming a very popular thing now, affirmation. So I wanted to, to talk about it and how it's helped me. I also talked about when I dealt with depression. Um, sometime after I had my, my second child, um, again, you know, as a woman, we go through so many different things, um, postnatal depression for a long time, wasn't something that people discussed. Um, I didn't know how to deal with it when I had it, you know, um, it was just, okay, the, go see the doctor. The doctor gives you some depre depression drugs and, and yeah, just deal with it. And it wasn't a really great time, but I mean, I feel happy that I had the support of um, my husband at the time and my father. I had the support of, and then a couple of friends also. So I said to myself, it would be good to write about what I went through because people shouldn't feel alone. Um, everyone should know that whatever you go through, other people have also been through it. So you don't have to feel alone. You really don't have to feel alone. So I wrote about that. I wrote about... Um, my career. I wrote about what it was like, um, you know, trying to build a career as a young person, the politics involved in, you know, just in, at the office and things like that, how I got through. I'm, I'm kind of driven by success, not just for success in itself, but because what striving for success actually also helps you be a better person. So you develop nice habits like, um, you know, time management, being more organized. I'm still struggling with all that, but at least I'd, I'd rather keep a striving to be that than just giving up. So I talked about um, that failure, not being afraid to fail is something I talk about as well in the book. I, I think I mentioned Jack Ma as an example. He was rejected from, gosh knows, 20-something places before he decided to build Alibaba. Um, so, so yeah, I talk about failure. I mean, I'm not afraid to fail anymore. I used to be so nervous about failing. I used to feel so bad. But, you know, it's just one of those things. I'm somebody that, you know, I like people. I like dealing with people. I've tried in the past. I think it was in the days of BlackBerry. I was, a, I was trying to create groups on BlackBerry to connect people together. But I just found that people just kept leaving the groups. They, I, I don't know, maybe they just didn't see the purpose. But I feel grateful that I didn't give up <laughs> on trying to build groups because now I've got, you know, the sports professionals group, which is where you are, Ed, and I've got this other group of women um, that I also have had for the past, I think, eight or nine years. So failure is a part of life. And I address this in my book, we need to learn to be comfortable with failure. Comfortable in the sense that it's not going to define you. Not comfortable like, okay, I failed. I'm not going to bother. No. Comfortable in the sense that I failed. Okay, I'll get up. I'm going to cry a little bit, but then I'm just going to move on, figure out what I didn't do well, and, and try again. And if that doesn't work, 
I can always pivot to something else. Failure doesn't define any of us. It really doesn't. It's just, it's just one of those things, you know. Um, it's the same thing with success. Sometimes success, you can look at it in the same way. If we become successful and we just sit on the success and say, okay, I'm successful. That's the, it's all over now. No. Similarly, success is also one of those things. You have to keep moving forward. You have to keep wanting to get better. You have to keep, you have to just keep living. You know, you don't stop living because you're successful. You don't stop living and say, okay, everything's over now because you failed. Life is just, it's just one of those things. So, you know, I do address that in the book quite a bit. And um, people who read it, you know, I'm happy that they felt, oh, wow, you shared some really sensitive things. And, you know, thank you for talking about these things. You know, particularly as a woman, you know, we find it, some of us women find it really hard dealing with, with failure. It's like the world is going to end. You know, I think we are more, we're more, they say, that women tend to be more emotional. It's not necessarily true of all women, but yeah, a good percentage of women could agree with that. And I want to say there's nothing wrong with being emotional. Being emotional is a beautiful, beautiful characteristic to have because, you know, humans, you know, we experience emotion every day. So if you, if you can feel emotion, then that means you can really, you know what it is to be alive. And what a better thing than to be able to feel alive every day. It's just about trying to manage those emotions for the better through support groups. When you feel down, you know who you can talk to. When you want to feel encouraged, you know who you can talk to. You can listen to podcasts like Ed if you want to feel inspired, you know. So I feel like the human experience is for living. Being emotional is not a bad thing. We, we should stop painting it out like it's a negative thing being emotional is a good thing what is important is controlling emotions and not letting them get the best of you or overwhelm you so yes the book goes through so many things it goes through my how i got into sports and my values it's funny the very first part the the, the preface i actually talk about values so I, I i actually subconsciously am value driven i i didn't realize how value driven i was you know, until, until recently, it's these, these interviews, which, which make you talk about yourself, because I don't really talk about myself. I always try and talk about other people, but myself, but I realize, wow, okay, I'm actually, everything that's happened to me is happening for a reason. I, I do have values. I am value driven. Sometimes I, I feel like other people have to make me see it before I, I, I realized, but yeah, um, yeah, the book, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it. I managed to get it done and published it. It's on Amazon. If you want to buy it, it's called 40 lessons. I learned at 40. Um, there's a deal right now. It's free on Kindle, Amazon Kindle. So pick up the book, please pick up the book. Oh, and another thing, I am also supporting a charity called Makoko Dream School. Oh, wow. I fell in love with um, them last year. I also knew that when I wrote my book, I had to have some kind of purpose behind it. Like, you know, like I, I had to have something I was writing for like who could I support by writing my book I feel like everything I do let me show support to something else so that 
you know, that circle, that cycle keeps going. So I am supporting the Makoko Dream School. It's an amazing project um, based in Lagos. The, this is a community that is on water. I tell you, they, they have houses on water and, um, you know, it's an, it's an under, it's a, it's a deprived area, underprivileged area, but the kids from that area, super bright. So this person, Emmanuel, friend of mine, and, um, he went into that community five years ago, you know, and, and hasn't left, set up a school. And he gives free education to the community kids. It's incredible. So I said to him, you know what, Emmanuel, I'm going to support you with my book. So um, when my book is on sale, when, when, it, when the promo goes off, um, all um, half of the proceeds go to the Makoko Dream School because, you know, he's doing great things. 800 kids to date have been um, educated by his institution. So I'm doing my best to support him and, um, and the great work he's doing. So yeah, um, my book is, it's out. Please, please so support me and the book. <laughs> my pleasure. There will be a link in the blog area where people can grab a copy. Beverly, I just want to thank you. Uh, we're not finished yet, but I just want to say thank you for your honesty. That period just then of listening, I was just in awe. Um, I'm, I'm thank you for sharing and being open about you know, the depression side of your career journey with your, your second child, like really quickly, I'm going to just, just to share the honesty when before air, I said to you, I did 85 interviews last year and you went, wow. After that, I went, I burnt out. I learned a huge lesson in 2020 of not overdoing it. And I'm so much more mindful with my time, mindful of the projects I do, because sometimes we clutter our creativity with too much, despite we're trying to figure out how things are. So I am super, super grateful. And thank you for just being honest in that section. Like you're, you're always honest, but I think you went another level of just opening up about what you learned from your book. Out of interest, could you just share to listeners your podcast show? What's it about? And what was the purpose of doing this passion project? Okay, so my podcast, again, another manifestation of something that I had been thinking about doing for quite some time. So in a way, I have to say thank you, 2020, you know, for, for the opportunity. My podcast is called Develop Your A-Game. Again, I love people. I love conversations. I've been criticized in the past, actually. You'll be shocked. You know, I've been criticized in the past because, um, you know, I love making connections. Now that it is in vogue to be a people person, I feel like, oh, so now the world has come around to the fact that some of us are, we derive energy from other people. So I wanted to have a podcast where I could, I could save up my meaningful conversations with um with people i i have i've been having conversations with people for many years um you know making connections but i thought it would be lovely to have a repository you know some of the best conversations i could possibly have in my life so i said okay i would love to do a podcast but the reason why i hadn't started was because i could be a little lazy i know i shouldn't use that word on myself I tend to prefer to do things when it's convenient and um i wasn't about to start doing it on zoom so when Anchor released their update for 2020, which I'm sure was no coincidence, they must have known that, ooh, pandemic, people are locked up at home. 
people are going to want to do podcasts. So the, the, the feature on Anchor was beautiful. Just, you know, download the app and you record and you're good to go. And, and that was it. it. It was so easy. I couldn't pass up the opportunity. So I, I recorded my first podcast. I think it was in May. I was excited. Do you know, I didn't even know what the podcast theme was going to be about. I just knew I wanted to start podcasting. But as, as time went by, I could see a recurring uh, theme. I, I tended to prefer interviewing people to doing my solos. I still do solos, but they're few and far between. I, I really love just showcasing other people. So the podcast is really to promote um, people um, from the African continent because, you know, for the longest time, we've not been able to control our narrative. We tend to rely on Western media to showcase us or whatever, or the media here at home tends to want to focus on the really popular people, the upper, upper, upper 1% of society. So I said to myself, you know, just like what Ed is doing, I want to be able to showcase, you know, just your everyday people, but doing things in an amazing way, doing some really innovative things. Um, so yeah, that was what birthed the idea. Um, it's a podcast that covers um, societal issues. It covers tech. It covers, um, it covers just about everything, really. As long as you're someone who's all about uh, bringing your a game um you're all about empowering you're inspiring then hey um you know happy to have you on the podcast so i've had some really cool guests i've had sports people on the podcast i've had um women in in leadership on the podcast i've had um emmanuel the makoko uh, founder on the podcast because you know people are doing so many wonderful projects but they don't always get um the much needed, um, um, how do you say, you know, recognition. Recognition or like platform. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks for that, Ed. I needed the support. (laughs) So that's what my podcast is about. It, it, it gives a platform to people from Africa doing fantastic things and yeah, develop your A game. It's kind of a play also on my name because my Nigerian name is Amaka. And um, I thought, I don't even know where it came from. I was just thinking, okay, podcast titles, podcast titles, and develop your A game. It, you know, it came out. And I'm like, wow, I mean, I'm a sporty person. People know me in sport. And A is for, I mean, Alpha. It's also for my Nigerian name, Amaka. I just thought, okay, that works. I like the sound of it. It's catchy. And you know, one thing I want to share. Um, the um, the um, event that you and Amy invited me to, which can I just say was my very first Zoom event for 2020, which sparked off a whole host of other events. So I'm very proud that your event was the first one I, I, I attended as a panelist in 2020. Um, the picture I took on that day um, as a panelist ended up being the picture of my podcast. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what happened. I was just taking pictures. I was just feeling like this is really cool. Like, you know, Ed and Amy are doing something really cool here. And I and I took a picture of myself, and I ended up using it on my podcast. So, you know, so many great things come about when you connect with, you know, 
good people and good projects. So yeah, that's develop your A game. And it's, uh, I've only done 40 episodes, nothing as much as you, but like you said, it's all about pace. Is yeah, it's about competition. It's consistency. It's about consistency. Exactly. So, no, that, yeah. So I've, I've enjoyed it. I'm enjoying it till today. I'm really enjoying it. It's um, it's fun. It's uplifting. I'm sharing people's stories. I'm 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 helping to to educate people as well because these are people that have a lot to share and um would not ordinarily share. A lot of them are actually quite like shy you know some of them hadn't even done a podcast before so it was just nice to also help them break new boundaries as well so yeah check it out develop your a game it's on apple Podcasts. it's on google spotify is now finally in more parts of the world i'm so happy so people in nigeria can can tune in uh, on spotify but yeah um, wherever you are wherever you get podcasts you can find develop your a game <laughs> Awesome. Well, there'll be a links again in the show notes where people can listen to it. And look, what a fantastic conversation we've had, Beverly. And I'd like to finish with an inspirational one. What three tips would you give to the listener right now who wants to pursue a career in sports? Like, so they can literally apply this information and take action today. Aha. Okay. So the first thing I would say is know your strengths know know your strengths and know what you like i'm putting those two together sorry i'm doing a two in one reason i say this is because the things that we naturally gravitate to often give us clues about about where our purpose lies um you know my my love of people um you know i like teaching so in a way, I'm kind of not surprised I've ended up going into sport and I've ended up setting up a podcast because sports, I get to impact kids, maybe not directly because I'm not a coach, but I do have a say over the curriculums and, um, you know, the kind of programs we run. Know what you like. Do you like solving problems? If you like solving problems, maybe you might want to go into dispute resolution in sport if you love connecting with people um, sharing stories storytelling you might want to go into media and broadcasting so your likes can give you a hint or an indication what area would be best suited for you so for me i love problem solving so um you know uh, going you know starting a sports law um, career was like a no-brainer because um, I just love problem solving, but at the same time, I love helping people um, start new businesses. So my my startup law expertise can also help with that. Then I would also say um, technical knowledge. You know, we talked about this earlier in my value system cakes. Knowledge is so important to build up your knowledge. So if you identify what area you do like, you have a rough idea, okay, I think I want to do sports medicine. Then you need to figure out, okay, what will it take for me to be a fantastic sports medicine professional? What courses do I need to do? What um, networking groups do I need to join? Because don't forget, knowledge is not all formal. A lot of the knowledge, a lot of very good, valuable knowledge will come through your informal channels as well. And don't write off social media. Social media is an amazing source of, as long as you go to the right places, obviously, but social media is also a great place to acquire knowledge as long as you're following the right people. So please, you must build on your knowledge 
as soon as you figure out what it is you think you want to do. And then I think the third thing would be consistency and perseverance. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a two, two in one in my, with my tips. Reason why I say consistency and perseverance is, you know, anything worth doing is worth doing well. But the truth and reality of life is burnout can happen. Life can happen. Setbacks can happen. Don't let the setbacks get you down. I've had loads of setbacks in my youth football club. You know, I even had one two weeks ago, (laughs) you know, with my personnel. But things will get you down. But the important thing is to have your support system, which will help keep you going. So just just whatever you whatever you need whatever support you need try and get it so that you can keep going because that continuity is what will carry you in the long run it's what will pay off in the long run you 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 could be good at something and you've got all the know-how but then if you give up too soon when things go badly then you're kind of denying yourself you know amazing opportunities that are yet to come so i would say you know, that continuity is key because if you want to do anything well, you've got to be doing it for a while. Um, your while may be two years, another people, person's while could be five, but the point is you need to be doing it and you need to be seen to be doing it and just keep going. It will get hard sometimes. It's not going to be rosy, but it will be worth it. You know, um, when I got what some of the, um, the jobs I've, I've gotten, I, I just keep thinking, wow, I pinch myself, wow, like <laughs> if you told me three years ago that I would be doing, you know, work with certain organizations in the sporting industry, I, I would have said it's not possible. So I, I am living proof that if you just stick to it, um, just persevere and um, it will pay off. It will pay off. So, yeah, those are my three, my, my three, three in one tips. <laughs> Beverly, they're, they're fantastic. Like, honestly, I hope the listeners enjoyed those tips. It really re- like relates to one tip I keep saying to people that working in sports is not a job, it's a journey. And all those tips relate to that one phrase. And honestly, it remind- I have to pitch myself that what you've just said reminds me that I'm do- going on the right path as well. Look, Beverly, I've so enjoyed this conversation. How can people interact with you online? Oh, yes. Okay, so... Twitter is where I, you know, I'm, I'm just chatting all the time over there. Sometimes I think, I hope people don't think I, I don't have anything. <laughs> I hope they don't think I'm, you know, jobless or something. But again, it's just my love of connecting. So at Maxi B, um, you can always find me there. That's M-A-X-X-Y-B on Twitter. Um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoy conversations on a range of things, sport, entertainment, tech, startups, and just, you know, trends, what's going on, you know. Um, I'm also on Instagram, but Instagram is more visual, you know. It's more, I, I would post, like, um, programs I'm hosting. So I would say if you really wanted to interact proper, yeah, let's, let's, let's meet on Twitter. I'm also on LinkedIn as well, um, Beverly Agbakoba um, hyphen Onyejianya. A-G-B-A-K-O-B-A hyphen O-N-Y-E-J-I-A-N-Y-A. So do send me a LinkedIn uh, connection request. I will, I will accept. I accept most of my requests anyway. Um, yeah, I am always available to, to, to chat or, you know, 
you can ping me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Yeah. Amazing. All those social media links, the book link, the podcast link will be on my website with regards to this podcast chat. Beverly, it's been such a joy chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Such a joy. Thanks, Ed. Take it easy. Bye. Wow, what a fascinating conversation with Beverly. And I am mindful this is one of the longest podcast episodes on the show. But thank you for staying till the end because I hope now you've got a better understanding. Firstly, with regards to this week's podcast topic, that good governance is crucial with regards to how sport is run. Not just, you know, the big leagues like FIFA or the NBA or NFL it's so important of how we govern right from the grassroots because it all comes down to values and that's what I've really enjoyed about Beverly's point of view or governance it's how we run things but then when we apply good values and good human qualities meaning the people who run these organizations the better the experience will be for that organization and the better the sports industry will be moving forward but from a sports career perspective without a doubt Having the know-how and what you want to do is so important in any area of the sports industry you want to specialise in. But, 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 there are times when you're going to experience those hardships. And to me, that's where the know-how, your skills, your courage all come into play when you experience those knockbacks, those obstacles along the way. And it's really important to... And this is something I've had to adjust and learn and adapt in particularly, that's the key word adapt is to sticking at it. And when you stick at something, new opportunities arise. You may not see it in front of you at the time, but certainly when you keep showing up, keep delivering the value add in this industry in whatever sector you specialize in, the better you'll be, particularly with regards to building your experience, but most importantly in time, be an influencer in that space. So for that reason, thank you for listening right to the end. Apply Beverly's sports career tips as well and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Beverly said, focus of knowing your strengths and knowing what you like, because that will leave clues in what you do in the sports industry with purpose.